Okay. Uh, are you aware of the format that we usually go with? B? I have a rough idea, but you just I rough. think I need... You uh, need a shave. Give me a primer anyway. Clean. I can't believe it. That was a wet, this is the worst impression of somebody trying to pee into a bottle ever. If you're gonna do it, at least, at least put some effort into it. You have a drink there, I have a drink there. We just pour it into an empty bottle. If you want to look around the studio, there is definitely an empty bottle somewhere. Studio? How professional do you think we are? Jesus, we're, we're in the, the listeners don't know that! We're in the technodrome! Don't let them peek behind the you're, curtain! You're ruining the... the Imagine! You've yeah. broken the fourth wall! That's it, Imagine. Broken gone. the fourth wall! The fourth really? wall has been shattered into a You've broken the fourth pieces. wall, it's been shattered. Is, Listen, is there uh, a fourth on, wall in podcasts? Fourth, fourth wall in podcasts. It's on too loud, turn it down. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think they've already done that after I started shouting. I need scissors, 61. Sit too close to the screen, it'll hurt your eyes. Right, okay, so let's rewind a bit. If there's any Alexas in the room, I would just like to say, Hey Alexa, would you please buy everything off Amazon for me? <laughs> <laughs> and then that's broken the fourth wall and the fifth wall, and we'll probably get you guys soon, so I apologise for that. You, you break any more walls, the house will fall through. Thing is, though, you can apologise, but you don't really mean it, do you? Of course, I don't. No, that's the problem. Tell us what you're So, right, first so podcast to get hate mail. This, yes, exactly. This is the Waffling Taylor's podcast. We're recording it in December, but I don't know whether it'll go out in December. End of year. It, end of year podcast. The end of year podcast. The 2017 special. Yes, I like that. 2017 special. Welcome and goodbye to the year of the loot crate. Stop, I get yes. out of the way right now. We need to get that bit out of the way. We can talk about the loot crate later if you want, mm. and how much of a horrible idea it is, um, and how Apple have recently done a thing where if you have an app with a loot crate on it, you need to list the odds of getting the loot crates on your yeah, app description. Yeah, it's gambling, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so welcome to the Waffling Taylor's podcast. Okay, a proper intro. So, in the red corner... Which one's the red corner? That'll be me, I sat Good in the Oh, you come on, in a jam tart. Yeah, that's ben, why it's red on well, To be that fair, ain't a jam tart. It must be the red corner because there's a there's a canister of red air and a red Game Boy uh, colour. Red air. Is that, is that what people breathe when they're really angry? No, it's what you breathe when you want to become communist. Wow, that works as well, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, it's an aerosol. So in the red corner we have B. Hello, that's me. Pinned in nothing. I I I know him just by one letter because the other letters in my name were too big to fit. So I just chunk it down to one letter, and um, it's helpful for getting through cues quite fast, and uh, especially for signing my signature because my handwriting is so bad. And obviously he chose a B because you know he thought of going for a punctuation mark, but that's already been taken by a guitarist. That's so. true. But also he could have a really big B, like a really like the amount of space that would t- be taken up by someone's name. Are, are you commenting you on the, the size B. of my B? I mean, the size of my B, I think I'm, I'll have you Steady know, it's now. a very personal issue. Steady I'm now. I'm very sensitive about the size of my B. I'm not. <laughs> and if you, if you don't stop talking about the size of my B, I'll kill you. And, and in the blue corner... <laughs> just, just one step snorting. too far. Yeah, yeah. B, stop snorting over there. Stop snorting. Um, in the blue corner, well, not me, him. 
pointing at him. Oh, you, go, go, wait, go got, the, red, blue. Oh, well, obviously green. Yeah, obviously. Green. Turn so well, in the blue corner. So, so does, does that make you? Does that make you uh, Bulbasaur? That What's makes me Charmander. I want to be Bulbasaur because Bulbasaur. He's Bulbasaur. He was here before you. But then when he's the green corner then? No, he's he's no, you're he's, the guest. Look, I got he's right. the, he's, he's in the green corner because his chair's green. Okay, yeah. so okay. in the blue corner I guess is me. And technically if, if I want to be the red corner, look, I've got the hair for it. I've got to try I could to be both. I've got to try to not setting us off on tangents every five minutes. Oh, clearly I'm already failing that five minutes into the podcast. But that's T- tangents five minutes into the, he's never been on. <laughs> we should he's maybe, never listened to it before. Maybe we should have a count of how many tangents we go on. Why? The tangent count. You mean like 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 episode zero of sixty three? Six, uh, 56 games in 63 minutes yeah, yeah it's pretty good plug so in the blue corner yes, wearing you... the black rim glasses and your uh, Sabri Sam Tash oh yes it is one of the returning anchors anchor I think Waffling Taylor anchor spreadable of um, <laughs> I mean, the Waffling Taylor podcast almost sounds like what people call me but anyway uh, yes so the Waffling Taylor progenitor I guess One, uh, we are both the progenitors I mean, technically, your parents are the progenitor. Pete, you're not leaving alive, by the way, after he said that. The Waffling Taylor podcast progenitor, then. He's still not leaving alive. So, anyway, it's me. Uh, Go Progman. Go Progman. Here I am again. So, that's that's good. Back again for the Renegade Master. D4 damage, power to the people back. Here we go! And the ill behaviour. And the ill behaviour. I feel like we might get a DMC takedown request for that. Yeah, let's be careful with us. Oh, we just cut out. Fair enough. And in, in the green corner, we have... Squidgy fidget. Squidgy fidget again. Here he is. Um, okay. So, uh, for the benefit of new listeners... Or... We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, you will... Let's just throw that out there, right? How, how is that not already evident by this I was going to say, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, for the benefit of new listeners and for the benefit of B, because... Apparently he's not listened. I he's totally agreed. listened to at least 15 minutes. He, he listened to the part where we mentioned nipples. Let's exactly. face it. Do you realise I've got to mark this as explicit now because you've said nipples? We said nipples on the last one. Shh! Don't tell iTunes. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so for the benefit... Apple, of, don't listen. For the benefit of... New, yeah. <laughs> hey, Siri. I'm going to go into a tangent about Steve Jobs' nipples now. <laughs> hey, Siri, don't listen to this. No, um, so for the benefit of new listeners and for the benefit of B... What we've done in episodes so far is we've gone round the room and said, hey, this week, or this amount of time, since I was last on, or in the case of me, hopefully not my entire life, uh, I have been playing this game and this game, or, or this game and this game, and then talked about our views, our thoughts on that game, what it's about if you haven't played it. I know that Squidgy's got a game that I haven't played that he's been playing this week um, that I'm looking forward to hearing about. Um, for the benefit of me... Yeah, so just show that to the camera. Yeah, so the camera. whilst whilst B's checking that out, uh, yeah, so that's what we do. And then what I thought we could do as well, I may end up splicing this into two parts. What the hell? I can't B, B, no, don't say out. I'll, I'll explain in due time. I will wait until we get there. But yeah, the blurb on the back of that box. Yes. Jesus. So what you'll have to do is one of you will have to read the blurb on the back of the box. I'll read it. That's all right. Then. Um, My eyes are working by then. So, yes, so what we do is we go through the games, and what I thought we could do is maybe I'll cut this into two parts, maybe not. So why don't we start with... Uh, Our guest. If you wanted to go first. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so what have you been playing, I guess, this past month? Because we usually go month, so... Of course, of course. Uh, well, essentially, um, a bit of a obvious slash big one, I've been playing a lot of what would, many would say to be one of the games of the year, 
just across the board in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Nintendo Switch. I, I, I have to contend that, but I'm just looking at that box. We'll make get to it later. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I feel... Stop staring at the box. I feel as though... What's in the box? I feel as though calling Legend of Zelda Breath of Fire Game of the Year is kind of cheating because it was always meant to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's... I mean, Zelda games are few and far between in, in terms of when, when the big ones... When they hit, they hit hard and they tend to do very well in general and of course uh, Ocarina of Time um, on the N64 uh, often considered one of the best games of all time Classic. It's, it's not as if the Zelda series is any stranger to releasing something and then just literally blowing everything else out of the water and I will completely admit that uh, I wouldn't say I was a sceptic but I had never owned a Nintendo console a home console Nintendo uh, at all in my life, in fact, all the uh, Nintendo consoles I've ever owned in my life have been uh, handhelds such as the 3DS, Game Boy, etc. But I did enjoy the Zelda games on the uh, on the Game Boy Advance and the original DS. Have been um, Advance as Minish Cap, no, I, I haven't actually played Minish Cap. I, that did I think that was uh, uh, the Advance, but the main mm. one I played on Advance was the re uh, the re-release of Link to the Past from the SNES. Yeah, yeah. And then on the DS would be Phantom Hourglass and of course Spirit Tracks. Mm. Now, Choo-choo. yes, exactly. The the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I picked one up uh, on the Black Friday deals. Yeah, uh, it was time. Deals. Exactly. Yeah. So so I'm a recent convert to the Nintendo Switch, and uh, a Joy little not. bit of backstory because it does kind of go, go into the Zelda is that. The, yeah, the, I found the Nintendo Switch to be an absolutely wonderful console. Um, again, because I've not owned a Nintendo console before, it's kind of new to me, apart from um, I'm basically a long-term friend of uh, Squeaky Fidget. So I have played a lot of the Nintendo consoles, even the ones I haven't owned, I have played a lot of them over the years uh, at his house. And to be honest, this, I think, is the best of the The Switch is the best of the lot. I just, I'm so enamoured with how well it works and just how clever the technology is while just being simple enough that it's just easy to understand. And mm. that was the main thing with the Wii and, of course, uh, the SNES. And most of the consoles... Now, we, obviously, there was a bit of a misstep with the Wii U and they mm. didn't quite... Uh, it, was, it was nothing wrong with the console as such, but it was not positioned in a very strong, strong way. And it suffered as a result, especially when it came to third-party stuff. The Switch has just been phenomenal its first year. I mean, you've got Doom, you've got Skyrim, you've got so many other third-party games coming for it. L.A. Noire, of course, Stardew Valley, the indies like Rocket League, um, Stardew Valley. It's it's like the sort of when what's mostly on like the Steam library can work on the Switch, right? Let's transpose it across, and instantly, like within a week, it went from. 15 to 20 games on the shop to over 100. And it's funny because I didn't get a like Switch it anyway. when it first came out. I did. Because <laughs> of a... Um, I want to say perceived like Because there was a, really a, a lack of games. There was Zelda was there for it. And that was about it. Well, when, was, when, I mean, when I got mine, I got mine at launch. And I got the the, the Special Ed Zelda. Yeah. And um, I got it and I played it for a bit. And I'll be honest, using the Joy-Cons and the pad it comes with is kind of hard. Yeah. So yeah. I got so far into it and then stopped. And... I bought a couple of the Neo Geo games <laughs> off the store and I was playing them. Yeah, yeah. God knows how long, because it, it just Zelda was too big of a game to get into, yeah. and the controls were a bit. Yeah, and like Zelda, for me anyway. As, as I'll get into, it, is a fantastically massive game, a huge game. But just as as one game to sell the system on, especially a three hundred pound, four hundred pound machine, is still a little bit 
much unless unless you're like really into Nintendo stuff, as of course uh, Squidgy is. Uh, Lies, subterfuge. <laughs> so it's all true. It's all true. Um, <laughs> Lies apart from the truth. Lies apart from the truth. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, Super Mario. Um, I was going to say Galaxy. Sorry, Odyssey came out in September, and uh, was it October? It might have been even October. And ever since then, the amount of games on Switch have just been absolutely phenomenal. And the ones getting announced, I think there's been an, at least two or three new games announced for the Switch every week for the last 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And right now, if you're thinking of... I mean, I say I think if you're getting a, a one for Christmas, I don't know when this is going to go out, obviously. But if you are considering a Switch and you're on the fence about the Switch, I think now is the time to get one because it is just such a fantastic little machine. And the back in stock, obviously, because exactly, it was exactly, for so long. Exactly, short stock at the, at the start of the, of the launch. I would definitely unreservedly recommend um, a Switch right now. So onto the games, I know there's a lot of preamble there. Legend of Zelda, uh, I think the best way that someone described it to me is you haven't seen Nintendo do an open world game before until you've seen Zelda. And though Zelda's open world isn't necessarily anything particularly new or exciting or... Well, exciting is the word, because it definitely is exciting, but it's not particularly anything new or innovative but it just does everything so well and so crisply. It, it's kind of like if you look at the semi-open Zelda worlds you got before, you had like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask was sort of around one city, and you had like um, Twilight Princess. It was an open world, but it was very contained areas. Yeah. Zelda's just, I mean, Breath of the Wild is just massive. Absolutely huge. The obvious comparison for Breath of the Wild is, of course, Skyrim. And to say... Zelda is a better game than Skyrim. <laughs> See how he goes with this. I'd be very, very hard-pressed to argue with that. I'm not saying that it definitely is, because there are some things of Skyrim, uh, especially how long-lasting Skyrim's been mm. with the mod scene and all the updates they've done to it since. But especially if you're not quite into Skyrim's lore or fantasy, Zelda... Does everything that Skyrim does, and then some, and even I'm though it's first on a smaller scale, like I said, everything just so crisp and all the all the systems work functionally, and in such a, a fun way that just you can pick it up, play it for five minutes, and have as much fun as you pick it up and sit down and really play it for like a full three or four hours at a time, however long that you want to sit down with it, and especially uh, I don't know if it's something to do with my age. Um, or oh, just the time I have to play games these days. It, I don't tend to sit down and have these 12-hour stretches that I used to be able to do when I was a kid. So the the fact that this game can offer me... Keep your attention. Exactly, compared to Skyrim, which... Not not you can't have fun in Skyrim for a short time, but Skyrim kind of in, in, it demands that sort of investment mm. that you really have to buy into for, for long periods of time. That Zelda... Still, you can still do that with Zelda, but it doesn't feel like it requires it. Yeah. And you can easily get achieve something. You can come away from a, a one-hour, half-hour uh, play session still having achieved something. Whether um, it's advancing in the story or, you know, not having shoes on, kicking her chest and having him limp. Precisely. Or stripping him down to his underwear and then watching flex. Precisely. Or my personal favourite, trying to slide down a, a hill with a shield. Yeah. A wooden shield that breaks and just have him roll afterwards. And what's That's, so good, it's like, doesn't necessarily hold your, hand, hold your hand a little bit for the tutorial at the start but it doesn't say mechanical spoilers more than any story spoilers but 
the the main quest it will give you like locations that the main quest will happen in, and it's more than one location that the the main quest will happen in. But it doesn't say you must go do this now, and it doesn't ferry you into those locations. You can spend as long as you want exploring the world and doing whatever you want, um, and then you start the story sections when you're ready to start them. You are never um, forced or coerced into uh, into like unskippable parts or, or locked in areas until you're ready to. And the system of of the shrines that are just dotted around the world, they're like little puzzles or dungeons or little mini challenges you can do to uh, get you upgrade your spirit orbs, and those spirit orbs can then be used to increase your hearts or your stamina. And they're just dotted around the world for you to find however you want. You know, you're never directed to them. You're never uh, made explicit. And there's always a sense of of discovery and achievement of finding them mm. that isn't that wouldn't be there if it was just you go to a place yeah. and an NPC says there's a shrine here, go to it. Now, now, given that I've only got past like the first few shrines, mm-hmm. found out a lot spoiling them, but got like past the tutorial bit of the game. Yeah. I've noticed that there's, to my delight. There's a considerable lack of Navi. Yes. Because I, I know that infuriated me, that infuriated good program back in the day. Mm. Especially when it told you to go somewhere that, where you won't go in. Hey, listen! Jump! Yeah. Yeah, Navi was only in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, right? Uh, might have been in Twilight Princess, but I can't speak I can't it. remember it being in Twilight Princess. I know they used something similar in the, the Warriors version of the game, which I loved. Um, it wasn't Navi, it was a fairy called Prixie, I think, or mm. Pixie, something like that, probably Pixie. And what it did was, it locked, like like in um, Ocarina of Time, it locked on stuff for you. And it also gave you quick updates for like, um, so-and-so's struggling, go run and help them. You just have a little thing. So that was very useful, it wasn't like every ten seconds, hey listen, go to this forest temple because someone wants to see it. No, I'm, I'm trying to get this. Yeah. Hey listen, shut up, hey listen, shut up, you know. I think another aspect of Legend of Zelda that just uh, really has captured my heart with it is is the the artistic world, the design of the world, and that in, also in, in the sound and music. It's just such a well polished, well produced game that just looks beautiful in every way. It's the, the artistic side's like sort of cel shaded, isn't it? There's not there's not too much detail, yeah, exactly. but what is in there? It's really nice to and look at. Not, and it's not just the the, 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 the cel shadedness. The entire world looks absolutely gorgeous. Again, not to spoil too much, but right at the start of the game, it's, it's very similar to Fallout and uh, Skyrim in that you start in somewhere slightly contained, and then the first thing you do, you come out into the world, and then the um, the title card, <laughs> the title card comes up as you are standing, looking at this beautiful, breathtaking shot of the of the game world, and then the logo comes up, the, the game's logo comes up. And it is, honestly, it's a, a stunning. It is absolutely beautiful game to look at. And then you just think in your head, can I go there? And you absolutely can. It's breathtaking. And the, the music is spectacular. It is an orchestral score that will just completely fits the, the, the grandiose nature of the game. Uh, yeah, I can't recommend Zelda enough, to be honest. It is just... It's you and everyone else has got a Switch. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, if you've got a Switch, I would say you have to get Zelda. It is definitely. I mean, even though, like I said, it's a requirement, like having a Mega Drive, and not having Sonic Two. Even yeah. though earlier in this very conversation, I said I didn't see Zelda as a system seller, and that was before I'd actually played it. And now, uh, now I have. It's like, yeah, there's, there are more reasons to get a Switch now. But anyway. Zelda's a bloody good reason to. But Zelda's a, Switch, a bloody good reason to get a Switch on its own. I mean, I've got 
my my uh, Switch came with Mario and Zelda, and just those two games on their own will give you absolutely hours and hours and hours and hours of fun on their own because they're just so huge. It doesn't even matter that there aren't that many games, or that it feels like there's not many games for it, even though that's not true now. But just those two first-party Nintendo titles already will mm. absolutely keep you enthralled for ages until the next thing comes out. And like I say, right now, there's loads out in it. So anyway. essentially, in 2017, Nintendo, after a bit of a, a slow start, are smashing it. Nintendo have pretty much... They are smashing it. I genuinely think... might be a bit hyperbolic, but I genuinely think that providing Nintendo can keep the momentum that they've gained in the last three months of the year, they've got another wee, hit, wee sized hit on their hands. I mean, like I say, it's because it's the end of the year... We're kind of at the the releases are slowing down. Well, it's and not it just that for me that much coming out yeah. first party, but the third party stuff that is coming, there's so much of it, and there's a, it's it's so frequent now. It, it doesn't feel like there's a drought at yeah. all. So it's not just that beginning of next year you've got like Bayonetta. Yeah. The first two going to be released on it, and then you've got a third one which is a Switch exclusive. Yeah. And you've got other things coming. I mean. Just to put it into perspective, anyone that's played the new Doom, you can play it on a handheld. You see, that says it all. Well, a lot of people forget about Nintendo. I think we're starting to see people realise it again. Is that Nintendo do two things very, very well with all of their hardware? The first thing they do is they they produce bargain bucket stuff. Right? They've kind of skipped over that with the Switch this time around, but with the Wii and the Wii U, and to a certain extent the uh, the GameCube. What they did, what what they've always done, is produced something that is that you can make a fun game for, but cheaply with whatever they have left in 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 stock. Like you look at the original Game Boy, right? The reason it has a dot matrix screen is because they had a bunch, uh, like a a a factory full of these dot matrix screens left over from some failed experiment. Then they said to Gunpei Yokoi, "Go do something with these and see what you can do." And he came oh, up with. Sorry? Gunpei Yokoi. Oh, that's his name? Yeah. And he came up with this idea of a portable video game. He'd, he'd created the Game & Watch, which used LCD screens, mm. but uh, you couldn't make that... You couldn't make realistic-looking animations. So he took the, the the dot matrix screen and put that on um, uh, a CPU and said, oh, I can animate some stuff, and gave that to R&D to play with. And they did. And the other thing that, that Nintendo do is they innovate. Every single time they release a home console... They innovate. You look at the NES, right? The NES created what we call graphics cards. Before yeah. that, there were no graphics cards. They called them PPUs, pixel processing units, yeah. but we call them GPUs now. Graphical, Graphical pro- uh, processing units. Um, the SNES invented the Mode 7 chip, a separate chip and to the, be able to do extra layers so the, so the, the, the images build up with layers. That was on the FX chip, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the, the, the Mod 7 chip. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, and then the N64 came along. You've got uh, memory that you can expand into the system. You've got a full 3D. Nothing was really fully 3D by that point. The the PlayStation kind of was. And, you know, Square Enix made a big thing, big thing about taking a battle scene from Final Fantasy VI and producing it on the N64 hardware, and it was full 3D. Everybody lost their minds. Then the... The the Dolph, uh, Dolphin, uh, the GameCube came out, oh, and, favorite, and they made oh. what is essentially a portable home console. With and internet it used, access. Sorry? With internet access. With internet access built in. You've got the 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 8 centimeter DVDs or whatever it used. I can't remember what they were. And then the Wii, yeah, and then the Wii came out, and then motion controllers. Everybody made fun of it, and then all of a sudden... 
the Kinect and the, the um, yeah, Microsoft the, releases Sony the Kinect. Feature. Sony releases their the their version of the Wii, yeah, the, the Wii controllers, which is the Move. I mean, personally, I think people are more making fun of the name than the actual. No, of course, yeah. There, there was a, I, there was I a lot to point. it, but yeah, yeah the, but you mm. know, there was a lot of oh, this is a bit silly. But there was the 3DS. Oh well, yeah, well, I'm talking home consoles, but oh, yeah, yeah. The, the same thing with the with the with the portables. Wii U comes out and it was really badly marketed. Everybody thought it was an add-on for the Wii, which is why it didn't sell well. Well, why do I need this? Why do I need the Wii U if I already have the Wii? You know, so then nobody bought I it. I think there was a collection of errors with the Wii U. I mean, like I said, the, 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 that was the first stumbling block, yeah. and then a complete death of of third party of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in its final year you had Pikmin Three, and that was probably it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I, I knew a few people like we used and they actually used it they used the the gamepad the screen yeah. they used that to watch Netflix on in bed yeah mm-hmm. that's all they did and I think I think <laughs> the lack of Switch games at release that were third party ones especially is a knock on effect of what happened with the with the Wii U well, but we've course, now yeah, seen yeah, they were reluctant to because because Nintendo hadn't had a proven record because of the record with with Wii U mm-hmm. um, they they did not want to put the risk on putting something that might not sell. I mean, it's funny that EA was still, as of November, reluctant to announce they were going to release any more other than FIFA on the Switch because they wanted to wait and see how FIFA did first. Mm-hmm. And they looked very silly after the, a week, just a week later because literally, I think it might have even been that same week, Mario, uh, they announced that the Mario um, Odyssey was the best-selling Mario game of all time. Mm-hmm. That means including the Marios that were released on the Wii. And given Mario and Wii, you would think that well, Mario that is a massive thing. And to, uh, to Galaxy them. Games one as well, yeah. Yeah, it was just it was best selling. Uh, I think it was best selling Mario Super Mario game that there has ever been, and I, that's wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we already look stupid for other reasons, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that really that really made the comment from from the, uh, the I think it was the chief financial officer. Uh, look very, very outdated very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what else have you been playing then, B? I kind of reluctant to, to keep on the Switch again, but... This Super segment Mario totally Odyssey. not paid for by Nintendo. <laughs> not paid for my Nintendo, honestly. <laughs> Seriously, um, Nintendo, you want to make some Mario Odyssey, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, just, just real quick, be yeah. careful. I've just got it. Don't ruin anything, please. Which one? I have... Mario um, Odyssey. Oh, right, yeah. Mario Odyssey. I have not... Again, I have not played many of the 3D Marios previously because not owning a, a home console, uh, except on the 3DS, obviously, I've played Mario 64, and I've played the uh, the side-scrolling Marios. Mario Odyssey, it is huge. It is, it is, again, such an easy pick-up-and-play game that Nintendo just nails so well, and yet it is absolutely massive. You, again, you should expect this because of Mario 64, and um, again, I'm not trying to do it too much of a spoiler, but I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that once you've finished the story, there are still so, so much to do. Like, basically, you, you're picking up moons, and just like the stars in Super Mario 64, and even, like I say, once you've finished the story, a load more moons open up. And there's the variety between worlds, I mean, just like the first one you've got, big massive T-Rex that you've probably seen in the adverts. I should probably say that the main hook for this one is that you have a new friend called Cappy, who can turn into Mario's hat, and then Mario can throw the hat and possess other creatures. I mean, they say capture other creatures, and Nintendo maintain that the, the creatures being possessed 
are all fine. He's not doing some sort of weird... I am possessing your body and your soul. But that's exactly what is happening. Well, it's like with... Without the chicken and the blood sacrifice. Exactly. It's like with Super Mario World, you know, with Mario punching Yoshi on the back of the head in the animation. Yeah, how long before they actually admitted it? Well, it was was only this year when Miyamoto said yes. Yes, it is. But it's not just that. It was how long before he admitted that Super Mario 3 and the NES was all a stage play. Yeah, yeah, considering yeah. it was a, a kid yeah, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it was and always yeah. assumed that it's like it's not really happens in the story. Of <laughs> this is all Super Mario. All the backgrounds looked like they were bolted yeah. on. Yeah. Well, no, well, it was supposed to. That's the whole yeah. point. But he, ne- but they, they never came forward and said yes. So it they is, never it's not it, really, so. you know. So the, the first get you know, Super Mario Brothers came yeah. came out. Then there was Doki Doki Panic, hey. which was not with with the Super Mario Brothers characters. It so was all a dream. A Super Mario Brothers game. And then Super Mario Brothers 3 comes out and it is just literally Mario retelling how great he is at beating <laughs> up children. What an egotistical maniac. Exactly. Yeah, just just <laughs> sat there in yes. the corner rocking back and forth. I remember back in the day. Where's That's my it. food? I remember back in, remember. Remember. back in the day. Back in the day. Yahoo! Yahoo! That Luigi never did anything correctly. Um, constantly talking about mushrooms and magic flowers. Let's it. not go there. And that's, <laughs> and that's I'm committed. Um, anyway, yes, <laughs> honestly, um, yeah, the, the variety between worlds is what you'd expect from a Mario game. It is just absolutely... The, the ideas that go into that game are just absolutely mind-blowing to think. And again, I'm just trying not to spark too much because I know you still got to play it. But you, you go from stuff like... Like I say, like a like a dinosaur kingdom where where you're jumping to, to to try and just get through a sort of Jurassic Park themed thing, and then you're possessing a Tyrannosaurus and you're stomping around just smashing everything up, and then just a few levels later you're in what's called New Donk City, which is like a metropolitan city with normal sized humans in cars and you're jumping around and on on these wells that are just so brilliantly realised and so unique from each other that it. It doesn't feel like a different game between them, but it feels like an almost could be like a different Ma- Super Mario game in themselves. You, you could see so an entire Super Mario game. game. Yeah. yeah, you could see an entire Super Mario game set in a desert world. You could see an entire Super Mario game set in a Jurassic Park style world. You could see an entire Mario game set in an ice world, and yet this brings them all together in this amazing package that is just. It's, mm. it's it's amazing that it's it represents yeah. such like almost like a value for money package because you're still saving so Peach. Huge. You Has are been still... kidnapped again. Yes, you are still saving Peach. How would you get kidnapped and... by Goombas that many times? Well, I think working for Cooper. Very poor security systems in the Mushroom Kingdom is what I would say. Based um, on heavily on trust. <laughs> now, that's the, the uh, that's probably the only thing that hasn't. Not to say that uh, that Mario has changed hugely. That is unrecognisable over the years. But in the terms of how Mario's progressed, it's uh, slightly, I wouldn't say sad, but it's, it's slightly disappointing that the story seems to be that it's still Peach uh, getting kidnapped by Bowser again. Now, I will say that more, there is more to the story than it appears once you play it. I don't want to spoil it, because Squeaky is still yet to play it, but the story does take an interesting turn, eventually. What a twist. What a twist. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a twist. Mario's but the bad guy. They do, they do play around with it later on. I will say that. More towards the end than, like, literally the... What, the what would be the, 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 the post-story stuff. Is post-story, where it post-story. Yeah, so... Post-story stuff is where that sort of starts playing around with it. But it's, like, again, it's, it's, a, it's a really minor thing in what is just an incredible 
achievement, really, in 3D platforming for certain. It's almost a bit of a shame that Ukulele is trying to bring back the 3D platformer. And I'm being presumptuous saying this blows out the water because I haven't actually played Ukulele. But it just does everything just so crisply and perfectly. And I know I use those exact same words as Zelda. But <laughs> Mario Odyssey is definitely the sort of game that is simple to pick up, difficult to master, is the epitome of it. And it is, again, it's another system-selling game that is yeah. just, it's just everything Nintendo do right is in this package. I think it's easy to say that you're a fan. Definitely. <laughs> a fan. I mean, I tend not to play games that I don't enjoy. <laughs> I think... Uh, you're lucky. What separates Nintendo apart from the other two console manufacturers? I know there are... There's the small look like we've got the Atari console coming out next year, and yeah. you know you've got the Ouya, which nobody ever talks about anymore. But like the the big AAA console manufacturers, the three of them, the thing that separates Nintendo out from the other two is that it does make first party games. Microsoft ships it out to other people, and Sony they have their 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 internal department, but it's kind of it feels like it's almost treated like a separate company. And what Nintendo do with their first party games is they go fun. That's what we're aiming for. How, how do you have it? How do, we, how do we provide it? Let's do it. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's fun. They want to deliver something fun, and then they add that the beauty to it, like. I mean, you no one no one can sit here categorically and say Call of Duty Battlefield nineteen forty two thousand and seven whatever the latest brown grey shooter is more fun than the previous one because there's no innovation. Whereas what you know what B's just said there is the Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Odyssey have innovated again and made it even more fun and made it more beautiful. Whereas all of the shooters. And all of the sports games are the same game. Well, let's face it, the only, the only way that those games are innovating, I know because I've seen a lot of this, is it's, it seems like when it comes to the massive party launches, like your Call of Duties and your, especially your, your Ultimate Player Battlegrounds, mm-hmm. and like your FIFA and all the rest of it, is how are we going to innovate? Well, let's release the game and then just add microtransactions yeah, we'll, and DLC. We'll figure it out later. But then yeah. the problem is, no one goes to a Call of Duty game for innovation so they don't need to innovate they go to shoot stuff yeah that's why they yeah. they flip between the team the two dev teams and then they can it's, go well if we want to add something that's not a problem but it's, it's kind not. of it's weird and it's a little bit sad in some respects that Nintendo as a development team they're the ones we sort of know the least about and we don't often see a lot of behind the scenes mm. of how Zelda uh, Mario and those sorts of games are made Whereas you get lots of documentaries and stuff about how games are made in the West, like mm-hmm. uh, like Call of Duty, like Battlefields, and yet the, the games from Nintendo seem to have more personality than the ones we see behind the scenes of the Western developers. Where it's it's really weird thing to note there, and it's a little sad because does that mean closing off the public from seeing what happens behind the curtain is actually better do, for games? Do, do, do you think sometime? He's, he's taken to sort of think how we're going to present this if they come round. So it's taken away from the development. I don't, I don't think it's no. I don't think it's that at all. I think I think um, part of it is Western video game production is a production line. You've got yes, very much a production six months line. to eighteen months to produce something, and it's hell for leather from the from the get go. The reason I didn't become a games developer is because of all of the stress. Yeah, you know. It can't. It takes a very specific type of person. It feels very much like Western game development, like you say, is a manufacturing process. Yes. Whereas 
Eastern game development feels like almost like without being to sound cheesy magic spell happening. So, sort of like yeah. Disney version. Well, it's yeah. like Disneyland. Well, I mean, like Disney feels corporate these days. But yeah. I know, but it's sort of like there's a there's other than a deadline and making money. There's a sort of we'll do it to make a game and make for one of a of a better um, comparison. I'd say it's kind of like Western game development feels like a Ford uh, car manufacturing plant, whereas Eastern game development feels like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. If you look at the um, yeah, if you look at the velocity of the game, so that's how many they release in such a small time, right? And and it's I guess it's more to do with the attention span of the average video game. I mean, yeah. you know, um, the the attention span of the average video gamer, right? Oh, so I'm thinking, well, I don't, no, I don't mean to insult <laughs> you, but I mean just look, right? So for the for the people listening, um, the recording setup is recording equipment is set up in front of a wall. Of video games, a wall of video, a floor very to ceiling. It's very, games. very impressive. It's very impressive. But what I'm getting at is that there is a massive collection there, and and mm. all I'm trying to say is, look at how many there are, yeah. and that's just your personal well, I'll collection. Try to grab your inter- the velocity of the releases. So you've got Call of Duty, Call of Duty Two, Call of Duty Three, Call of you boom, FIFA. There has to be one every year, at least one every year, until there's an international tournament. In which case, there's two, maybe three in that year if they line up. There's all of the sports games, the cricket games, the ice hockey games, the NFL games, all of these have to be pumped out in time for the season. You've got, you've got the sequels for sequels. You've got the games that are made for the movie because yeah, movie, like, because movies now take less time to make. Yeah. The game for the movie has to take less time to make. Yeah. So you have to pump them out as quickly, as quickly, quickly, quickly as possible. And yes, you may have to fix them once they've gone out. And yes, you may have to offer the stuff that's on the disc for sale separately. But the difference is, look at how many how many games has Square released in the past ten years. I can count them on four fingers. How um, many games has um, Atlas, the creators of Persona? How many have they released in the last ten you years? You know more than me. I don't play Atlas games. I'll be honest. They've. I'll tell you. There's 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 Persona Four, Persona Five, Persona Four Battle Arena. The the Battle Arena version of Persona Four, mm. and. Maybe I'm sure I can be corrected in comments, but I feel like that's about it. They've just announced Catherine uh, re-release. Oh yeah, Catherine, Catherine yeah. yeah, Catherine, Catherine, and now Catherine um, HD re-release. Two more games were announced this week: Shenzumi Summit Five, and at least one other one that's been announced in the last couple of weeks. Join us next week where Ben butchers some more game type. But yeah, I mean, even if you look at like <laughs> again, I'm looking at your Pokemon's collection here. You. Your Japanese Pokemon Leaf Green and Fire Very Red. Very proud of them. Right? Very proud of them. How many Pokemon games has there been in the last ten years? Not count. I'm not counting black and white. I'm talking generations of Pokemon games. Uh, eight, nine. We're in nine. In the last ten years. In the last ten years. Ten so years. go back to 2007. So yeah, we're not going to go. Oh, oh. like three. Three, four, five. If we go in ten years, Diamond and Pearl was definitely out this time ten years ago that would be four then four or five I think do you see what I mean though but versus like all of the others that are that are thrown out there and and I feel like it's it's because the because they have more time to sort of sit and let the idea gestate and come up with other things to add to it so you have a scenario and and you have things built onto it I think that's why and then like the level creators or whatever have more time to play with the tools and see what they can make you've got less of a time constraint so you don't have to be done by here a lot of I mean you look at even even back as early as Mortal Kombat you had the first Mortal Kombat you had Ed Boon sleeping (laughs) at at the office for eight months crunch because yeah and that was eight months of crunch not 
not the I final few weeks, eight months. Western development feels very much driven by money, whereas Eastern yeah. development feels was, more that, driven that's by a, get a, a, a desire to entertain. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether that's part of the culture. Possibly. Yeah, well, uh, it's I part of the culture probably. now. Yeah, it's part of like I mean, you look at you look at the way that. Um, it was a couple of years ago. There was an issue with Nintendo when I think it was when the, when the Wii U flopped. The CEO stepped forward and went, "I'm taking a pay cut." And it was, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Iwata. Yeah, Iwata stepped forward and said, yeah. "I'm taking a pay cut because I made a bunch of bad decisions and I've impacted all of these people's lives." Now, if you flick over to what's happened recently with all of these microtransactions and loot crates and stuff, and EA and all that kind of stuff, could you honestly say? Anyone with any kind of power in EA is going to step forward and go, this has been my fault. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm, 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 I'm so going to say no, but exactly. that's my opinion. It's not a fact. My well, opinion. okay, yeah, in your opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking pretty much in opinions anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. no, but, you know, I know that in that example I'm comparing one instance of something that's happened with one very specific company to something another company on the other side of the world that is a, a completely separate set of, of, of a, sep- a separate situation and I'm saying apples and oranges and a different set of values potentially mm. and everything like that yeah Yeah, but I think that, that those two represent the ideas behind western video game making and eastern video game making a lot of western video game makers okay so the AAA guys so AAA. EA uh, Bethesda you know the big ones the big big ones the ones that own all of the other ones those guys I could never see them going. We've messed up. Let me, you know, let I'm. Go, we're going to take responsibility for having messed up, and we're yeah, going to take a moment and step back, and we're going to take our time making again. Maybe id back in the day, maybe. Except they were cocky. So I yeah. mean, the, the the most you're going to get, especially with the year, especially when the 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 loot crate thing happened, a couple of days after launch. They disabled it, and they brought out a statement. I can't remember the statement, but they said something along the lines of, we've listened to the fans, we hear you, we're going to disable them for now. Oh, for the, now, not completely. Battlefield 2, is this? Um, yeah, the new or, Star Wars. Or is this um, the... Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, Battlefront 2, yeah. This was 1am on the yeah. day of release. But, release yeah. It had released at midnight. This yeah, was 1am. Yeah, and, and, and they, said, they said, we've heard the fans, there's some concerns, we're going to try and address them, we're going to disable it for now trying so hard they almost got there you know we're going to disable it for now and see what we can do about it keeping it very vague you know they didn't say we're going to we're going to comp- keep it completely disabled I think that's the most you're going to get out of them Meanwhile, they're never going to say we've messed up we're going to go we've disabled it we'll have a look yeah you know why don't you mm. if Investors. we yeah if we say we've disabled it it will get more people to buy it because yeah. we do away with this bad publicity. Interesting well, fact is that... Um, no publicity is bad publicity, no matter what it is. It'll, well, get, it'll garner interest. Yeah, controversy does create cash, yeah. but even so, by saying we'll disable it for now means that people will go out and buy it, and then if they, that, that then gives them the, right to res, the reserved right to then re-enable it if they want to. Interestingly enough, Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, was the number three game in the charts for the Christmas number one this year. Was number it? one was Call of Duty World War 2, number two was FIFA 18, and number three was Star Wars Battlefront 2 that the charts uh, company said it's very likely to do with obviously the time into the movie but yeah it shows that uh, as you say even with all the stuff happening Controversy creates cash yeah, I don't it, know if controversy because it's ca- I mean it does create cash, that is true. In, the, but, in this instance But in, in this instance yeah I, I don't know if it's just that or it's just people just didn't care enough yeah. or, and, and the push against the microtransactions 
does a lot of well, uh, do, uh, a lot of impact in certain circles, but on a wider scale. Yeah, yeah. The Johnny Public doesn't care as much. Yeah. It. Although the, that's not to uh, that's not to put down the efforts to make people aware of it at all. Yeah. There, there was a there was a lot of effort put into it, and just it just made the mainstream. Just just to so. just to make EA see that the people that were gonna play the game and put in over forty hours for one character, over two thousand hours to unlock everything, or to put in a lot of money to buy everything in one one go, a lot of people just went, "We've had enough. We're not doing it." So I'll caveat what I'm about to say by saying that caveat what I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah, it's a condition on what I'm about right. to say. So, okay. what I'm, I'll caveat what I'm about to say by saying that I agree with all of the effort that everyone had put in, with the all of the journals coming forward and saying, hey, you should do this. People like Jimquisition saying this is stupid because they're pointing out to people, hey, this is a bad product and this is a bad practice and this is why. You know, because let's be honest, loot crates and all that kind of stuff, it's gambling. It is, yeah, essentially. You know, especially when they have odds on them, you know. Which is why, and I mentioned it at the beginning, Apple. Apple this week have said, if your game has loot crates, and there are, and you have, you know, odds on getting, you need to state the odds in the app description so that the person who buys the game then has what's it called? Better understanding. Informed consent. That's, That's the one. Informed consent. I'm consenting to you placing a game on my system that will, that you know, I, I can make that informed decision about. The fact that it, it does include microtransactions, making it really clear that, that, that there are microtransactions and that there are odds on this thing and you might not get what you want and all that kind of stuff. Making it explicitly clear that it's up to the user, yeah. the purchaser, to decide whether they want it. I agree with all of that, right? But I feel as though this is another case of people complaining on the internet because it's the internet and they're not following through in real life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people jumping on the Reddit bandwagon when when the EA team did an an AMA on you know we're releasing this game and you know yes it's going to have microtransactions yes it's going to have loot crates and everybody jumped into the comments and would say ah why are you doing this this is bad behaviour this is encouraging gambling behaviour this is doing this the most downvoted comment in Reddit history it did you know and, pe- and people on Reddit went mad and they went this is crazy and this is really... and I'm not saying what they did was wrong. What they did was very much right. They were pointing out to EA's PR team what we think that your dev, that your design team, not the dev team, because the dev team have to do what the design team say. So we think what your design team have done is very bad, and here is why. There were a lot of people who were saying you should all die in fires, and the average internet responses of you know go get horrible things happen to you. But the crux of the argument was here are these these are some bad things, and this is why. And then those very same people, it feels, went out and bought the game anyway. I, yeah. I agree, although I also think that there is a degree of... Without, again, me to disparage... I don't want the internet coming after me. Uh, to Too disparage late. them. But Reddit, <laughs> Reddit thinking that... It, or Reddit or this internal gaming community thinking it's more important than it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially thinking that... They, they've that got the a say in it. That developers should kowtow to them. Well, it as was, opposed to what's best for everyone. It was yeah. the same thing with the Mass, Mass yeah. Effect 3 ending. You know, when everybody said, yeah. we bought this game, it, it, effectively they were standing there saying, we bought this game, it is ours, how could you destroy our thing? Yeah. Yeah. We've put all this time into playing this game, and, and it's like, no, you don't own it. I don't want, again, I don't want to spoil stuff. That does seem to be, from what I'm hearing, again, I don't know the details, 
but uh, that does seem to be a very similar situation to what I'm hearing is happening with Star Wars at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, and, 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 and I get it. I, ju- I just want to point out and say I'm not agreeing with what happened in the original ending for Mass Effect 3, but I think the way that people went about saying it is my, effectively saying it is my game, yeah. you have destroyed my story, yeah. it is mine, 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 mm. being... There's a very much a sense of entitlement. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And it was only because... Uh, only because of the development team and the, everybody stepping up and going, maybe we should really okay, listen, and then let's, cowing let's... out to them, and that's kind of set the the precedent. So that at some point, when some other it, this time next year, maybe in a couple of months, some other video game developer is going to release a game, someone's not going to be happy because you can't keep everyone happy. That's going to build up a huge media firestorm, and then they're going to end up um, cowing out. There's sort of like that, that same sort of mutual level of what the fans expect but they don't like, and the developers going, well, you know, we've done it now. You know, if you want something else, we we could possibly do it as maybe a bit of DLC thing or is, extra stuff. Thing know. is, right? It's got to be I, like a juggling act. The thing is, balancing act. Right? I'm a content creator. I, I I write blog posts. We make this podcast. I've mm. written software. I've done, you know, and I create a thing. It's mine, and I'm giving it to you. Yeah. Yes, okay, you're paying me for it, right? If I'm selling it. Mm. Right? All of my stuff's done for free, so you don't even have to download this if you don't want to. But I'm giving you it to f- for free. Here is my opinion, here is the story that I want to tell. Mm. If you don't like it... Don't read it. I'm sorry, but that's your problem, not mine. I shouldn't have to... Like, if I release a book, like a, a fiction story, and people don't like it, I shouldn't be expected to rewrite the story. True. And that's what I didn't like about the Mass Effect 3 thing. And mm. it's kind of what I don't like about what's coming back from the fans about Star Wars Episode 8. Because it's... I get it, you didn't like it. But it's not yours to... T- you know, they're... It's, it's Disney, so they will kowtow to them, but it, it's not. it's not like... It's not your story to tell. You know? You're not the creative behind this. You're not the person who's put in... Two years of writing a story, of producing a story, of acting in a story. It's not, it is your place to tell me that you're not happy with it, but it's not your place to tell me that I should go out and remake it yeah. or re release it, because that's true. not fair. No. In my opinion. Yeah. But that's my opinion. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, anyway, um, right, yes. I'll just mention one more thing on this, like loot crate and stuff, and then I'll go screaming back to uh, what, what we were doing originally yes. I, I think one of the games that I've played recently that's done the loot crate right and I'll go on record saying this because I don't care is um, the new wrestling game mm-hmm. because the loot crates are only used for the my story mode so creating your character and going through the, the main story WWE 2K yeah sorry, sorry. You, you get them through going through the main story but you can only get them with points you earn in game and I think oh. I think that's where that's I think that's where it needs to be because I've played games where they've had like loot crates and stuff like Mass Effect 3 being a prime example because it's the first time it had multiplayer and you could you could get you could buy the crates outright bronze, silver and gold with money that you had microtransactions or you could through playing multiplayer, you could end points in game and unlock them, and I think that's a better way of doing it because n- not everyone can afford to drop like fifteen or twenty quid every so often when they just want a chance of getting something random. But they might put a lot of time and effort into going on the stages, leveling up a character, whatever, however the game works, and they might build up the reservoir points enough to do it. And the new wrestling game, especially the new WWE one, is you cannot microtransaction 
to get these loot crates. Mm. But whatever you do in the game, whatever it is, if it's an exhibition match, if you're doing like my universe mode, which you can control everything, or my story mode, which is the new thing, whatever you do, you build up these points. You don't build much, but chances are when you go on it, if you're doing like a story or my universe, you're going to do a lot of matches and it builds up. I think that's a better way of doing it. I think that particular method still has a bit of work that can be done on it because... I mean, um, it's not perfect, but, no, it's, but it's, have, it's not going to cost you a fortune. I assume you've not played... Is it my player? The, the new story mode, in it? Not the new story mode. The new... Um, oh, the, the new multiplayer mode. Online mode, I, yeah. I don't play a multiplayer. Right, you see, so, so. so for that, the, my problem with it at the moment is just that the crates, because the crates are entirely random, what you get in them, and obviously within certain parameters, but they are still essentially random. But that means you can play on this online mode where you just play, like, basically you play matches, you get match made with a random match, do so many matches and you... Is it, oh, you've got to play so many matches to earn enough stars to qualify for the pay-per-view at the end of the month, which is actually at the end of the month. Um, and then the pay-per-view is just, like, three special matches that you have to play and complete and you unlock certain things if you get enough stars you actually unlock specific items of, of customization stuff. But my problem is that included in these loot crates are stuff like special moves. So you could well go up on an online game with someone who's the same level you or lower who can do a special move. Well, I suppose it's debatable whether the move is better, but they can do a special move that you can't do just because you haven't got that in the, in the loot crate. So say someone's got the John Cena's attitude adjustment you don't have that because you haven't unlocked that in a crate yet whereas you've already got like a super kick or something I mean again this this is yeah. considering the game it's not like one move is necessarily better than the other yeah. but it can it, no. it does care for a little bit I mean I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try and sound really awkward here but I, I don't tend to play wrestling games online no. so that's not it's, really a problem for me I can see it being a problem but it's not really a problem for me because I'm, I'm not big on playing uh, especially wrestling games online I'm not a big multiplayer guy because I've, I've unfortunately had the, the issue of playing online and I can't mute the mics mm-hmm. and someone's constantly just hailing abuse at me and I've, I've never actually had a time going online where someone hasn't been either criticising how I play or just outright hailing abuse at me. And it's put me right off. That's why I'll only play with friends. Because if I hail abuse at them, they hail it back and we just have fun with it. <laughs> I'm going to quickly go on one last tangent here. On the, uh, last it's, tangent? It's, it's, it's a waffle. Just do what you want. It's a waffle. But I mean, it's, it's, it's not even to do with the loot crates, really, because I know we'll finish on the loot crates. But when we said earlier about the, the Pokemon games in the last ten years, I'm thinking, how many? And I was just thinking in my head, and I think there's like six, because I'm thinking there's Diamond and Silver. Uh, there is Black and White. You mean Diamond and Pearl? Sorry, Diamond and Pearl. Black and White. Black and White Black 2. Black and White 2. X and Y. Sapphire Ruby. Omega Sapphire Ruby. Omega Sapphire and Ruby. Sun and Moon. Sun and Moon. And Ultra, Ultra Sun and Moon. So that's like seven, seven yeah. in ten years. I mean, it's like it's one, one re-release barely. and one like retelling because the new ones are retelling of the original Yeah, story. so essentially there has been a new Pokemon game every... Couple of years. Yeah. It's, not, it's not every Two year. Years, it's been yeah. like... Every, it's a little over a year. So it's not every year, spectacularly.
I'm going to probably put this out. It's going to be split. It's going to be split. This is going to be three parts. Three parts. Three parts. So I'll put a little thing at the beginning of each one. Like Cerebus. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by G.H. See the show notes for more details.